Today I'm not going to be doing a gay bashing sermon or delivering some sort of homophobic diatribe. What I do hope to do is speak the truth in love about sin from the pages of the New Testament. Unsatisfied with the known answer to a similar question, can a homosexual be an Episcopal bishop? Today's question will likely be asked of us many times in the years to come. So we should be equipped. Amen? Biblically, the answer to this question is a no-brainer, as you'll see from 1 Corinthians 6. So why devote a sermon to it? I think it was voted as important by our survey participants, as important to, direct, to, direct, to address, because in their quest to advance the homosexual agenda, the homosexual activists have made it an issue. You see, the seven uh, pillars of society or the seven mountains of civilization or government, and you see them advancing in government, and we'll come back to that with just a little brief excerpt from an article in Texas Monthly Magazine, education, uh, arts, uh, some of the most gifted artists we have in our culture are of that persuasion. Um, justice, I believe, uh, do, we, do we have a gay sheriff in Dallas? Um, may, no, no, a sheriff, I believe. Um, so it's government, justice, education, uh, business, arts and entertainment, religion. Turn on several popular secular TV shows and you can see their hard work through the media at manipulating and changing the overall opinions of our culture, public opinion. Whether through humor, intelligence, or mocking conventional values, they're hard at work. It's hard to watch TV for long without running across the gay character. Watch the gay TV channel and you will hear constant whining about conservatives and those who are not moving fast enough in facilitating the changes they're pushing for. Follow politics closely where the causes of this subculture are being advanced. In this month's issue of Texas Monthly Magazine, the March issue, there's an article about this lady who is now the uh, mayor of Houston. The article is written by Mimi Schwartz and is entitled Out and About, The Social Politics of Being the First Openly Gay Mayor of Texas' Largest City. In it, Ms. Schwartz... Swartz reports on how lesbian Anise Parker won the Houston's mayoral race, mayoral, mayoral, somebody help me. Lord, Lord, don't let it be one of those Sundays. Mayoral race last December, from which I quote, and this is what Mimi said. If Houstonians, that's what citizens of Houston call themselves, if Houstonians aren't exactly phased by having an openly gay official lead them, it has a lot to do with the years that she and plenty of other gays have devoted to inoculating them. You know what inoculation is. It's little doses to, make, to build up an immunity. And so um, we're being inoculated as a culture. We just are. But I'm not talking about that today. While I'm only mentioning these things in introduction to our question, I want to add that radicals in this movement want to impose their views on religion, specifically Christianity, because this book is in their way. Through pushing for our acceptance, they're using the leverage of uh, pushing an agenda where we would accept monogamous 
homosexuality. But I'm telling you, it's a Trojan horse. They're pushing for a whole lot more than that. Monogamous homosexuality pushes the concept that if we can get married and we are true to one another and we don't commit adultery, then we're going to heaven because it's monogamy, see. But if you just check into their stuff, you see the hollowness of it. Uh, while scanning through this guy's book, Gene Robinson, The Eye of the Storm, he's the gay bishop in the Episcopal Church of America, uh, I noticed scanning through his book that he repeatedly used the acronym LGBT throughout his book in promoting the agenda to help these dear LGBT people. LGBT stands for lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender. This man has also been quoted as having said, the Bible doesn't say anything about monogamous homosexuality. He's attempting to, you know, to, to invent a new term that the Bible doesn't address. But it occurred to me, if he's promoting the causes for the LGBTs, lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transsexual, then he's talking out of both sides of his mouth. Because how can you be bisexual and be monogamous? Sorry, Bishop Robinson. It won't fly. If you've got a pen, I'm not going to delve, delve very deeply into the subject of homosexuality. We're going to look at what the Bible says. I spoke on it in depth a few years ago, and I recommend you get these CDs so you're equipped. And here's the titles. The Truth About Jesus and Homosexuality. That's one. Um, the gay churches in their bookstores sell a book that says everything that's entitled Everything Jesus Had to Say About Homosexuality. It's a big fat book, and you open it up, and it's just filled with empty pages. And that's the book. Well, they don't remember something that Jesus spoke in five books, actually six books if you count Acts, in the New Testament, not just Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in Revelation, he blasts fornication. And fornication is immoral sex of any kind. That's fornication. So Jesus did address the subject. Anyway, so I, I go into some depth with that. Um, it's strong stuff. Some people were gagging during that sermon. Um, and then another one, a message of hope. Neither one of these are bashing sermons. A message of hope and love entitled, Such Were Some of You. Uh, shared on both of those in 03. Get them. I recommend that you do it. You just fill out a request form that's at our information desk. Leave it there, and it'll be waiting on you next Sunday. So now to our question. Can a person be gay and be a Christian? Well, let's first of all talk about these two terms, Christian and then the word gay. Christian formerly meant to be like Christ or Christ-like. It was first used in Antioch, by unbelievers to describe those who believed in and followed Jesus and his teaching. The word has evolved and changed meanings to now often be used by unbelievers who want to identify themselves or others in some way to Western culture rather than having a real relationship with the person of the Lord. I have a dear Asian friend here in Granbury that became a Christian because he's now a U.S. citizen. Threw Buddha away. He's now American, so he's Christian. America's a Christian nation. Think about it. America's a Christian nation. And now I'm an American, so therefore I'm a Christian. So you see, the meaning of the word has lost depth. So 
we, we, we just have to think of that one when looking at this question. And then the word gay. Gay used to mean to be happy and lighthearted. The word has now been hijacked, and I'm mad about it because I have a sister named Gayla, which is another acronym for Gay and Lesbian Alliance. It used to mean to be happy and lighthearted. It's now been hijacked by social activists in the homosexual community who want to manipulate our thinking and their attempts to be granted a minority status as though they were a nationality or a race fighting for equal rights rather than the subculture that they really are. How could you say someone shouldn't be gay? I mean, it's, shouldn't we all be happy? See, they're playing with our minds. The truth is this. Homosexuality is a bondage to be delivered from rather than something to be celebrated and embraced as an identity, which risks removing all hope if we do this, embrace this as an identity, you remove all hope for those who are enslaved to such bondage to ever be set free from their addictions. So who really loves a homosexual? The one promoting their agenda or the one standing for righteousness and truth? There's hope, saints. We can be delivered from any bondage. Amen? So looking at this question, can a person be gay and be a Christian? That's like asking, can a person be happy and be a Christian? Or if you view it as though they're their own race, can a person be a Mexican and be a Christian? See? Or can a person be white and be a Christian? Or can a person be black and be a Christian? They're, they're hijacking all the work that Martin Luther King fought for for equal rights to use to manipulate their agenda. Um, let's, let's, re, let's reword this question. Can a person be a practicing homosexual and inherit the kingdom of God? The Bible says no. Can a person be a gangster and inherit the kingdom of God? An adulterer? an abuser. Let's see what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians 6, have you found it? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, will inherit the kingdom of God. That's, that's gangsters. That's how extortioners, gangsters make their money, through extortion a lot of times. Don't be deceived. People who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But there's good news. And such were some of you. So, if we ask the question like this, can a person be gay and become a Christian? What's the answer? Yes. Emphatically, yes. Let's all say, yes. Such were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. We have been washed. We've been sanctified. We have been justified. If you have a child, that child at some point in time will get dirty when, right after you've bathed them. Who knows that can be true. You've washed your child and your child's gone out and gotten dirty. So what you would do then to help correct the matter is you would wash the child again and then you would set the child apart from that which would make him or her dirty. All right? 
So you wash your child and you would sanctify your child. And then, having corrected your child, you wouldn't bring that problem up tomorrow. You know, I can't believe you got dirty yesterday after I did all that work. No, your child's justified, forgiven, corrected, forgiven, it's done. And so it is with any bondage. We have a Savior who can wash us. However many times you need it, He can wash us. And He has the power through His name and His Spirit to set us apart, to make us uniquely His, to help us find ways to, set, to separate ourselves from that which tempts us and to justify us, to never bring it up again, to have a new beginning. So to embrace your bondage as your identity That might make you feel better temporarily, but I'm telling you, it's setting you up for a fall to be emasculated the rest of your life. That's not God's plan. That's not why we were created. The gospel is this. We were created in the image of God, but through sin, we fell. Through Jesus, we can be redeemed. Amen? Romans 6, 1 and 2. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Don't care how deep you've gone in sin. The Lord's grace can save you. Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? So to live in sin is, is a life that has no assurance of eternal life. To live in sin. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. It's as though our life before Christ is to be considered as dead. And our life in Christ is considered as new, as alive to Him. This isn't bashing people that are living in their old life. This is giving hope to people. You know, if you saw someone about to cross the street in front of a busy car, that, a busy road and get run over by a car that they didn't see, you would be um, inhuman to not speak out and say, Hey! If they turn around and say, How dare you yell at me? Don't you know I've got it going on? That's what's happening in our culture. Ephesians 4, I love this. This I say, therefore, and testify on the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. You should no longer walk. That means the same thing as the word such were some of you. We have walked in lewdness. We have walked in rebellion against God. So we're talking about all kinds of bondage today, not just picking on someone struggling with homosexuality. We're talking about all kinds. We should no longer walk in that. So these verses should give us hope and faith that God will be faithful 
to fulfill his word. Who believes he's faithful? Can a person be gay and be a Christian? Ephesians 5, verse 5 says, For this you know that no fornicator, that's immoral sex of any kind, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So children of light, we must speak the truth in love. Bondage may be what you're involved in, but it does not have to be who you are. We were once darkness, but now we are called to walk in light. Let no one deceive you with empty words. I I personally think the homosexual movement is a religion that wants to influence all religions. Maybe one day I'll go to jail for talking like this, but I have to speak the truth. Amen? This guy, Dr. Robert L. Spritzer, had this to say, and I, and I quote him because um, there would be those that would try to discredit this book, but I'm telling you, we're not just quoting the book. We're quoting that which is human nature, but also those who are authorities. This guy led the way in convincing the American Psychiatric Psychiatric Association to remove homosexuality from its list of mental disorders in 1973. He's now stirring controversy again by saying that homosexuals can change their orientation if they want to. The subject's self-reports of change appear to be, by and large, valid rather than gross exaggerations, brainwashing, or wishful thinking. He summarizes... He interviewed 153 men and 47 women who said counseling had helped to change their sexual orientation from homosexual to heterosexual. ABC News sums up the data. 66% of the men and 44% of the women reached what he called good heterosexual functioning, a sustained, loving heterosexual relationship within the past year, getting enough emotional satisfaction to, to rate at least a 7 on a 10-point scale. This guy's not even a Christian. And he's the one that led the way in having it removed from the list of disorders by the American Psychiatric Association. Now, let's just, uh, you know, they're attacking philosophy as well. Let's see what another philosopher has to say, M. Scott Peck. In their attempts to to push their agenda, they say, we're just doing what comes natural. And what you're asking, what the Bible's asking is, or commanding, is unnatural. He said, Many people justify their participation in a variety of behaviors by calling them natural. However, M. Scott Peck reveals a flaw in these arguments. Calling it natural does not mean it is essential or beneficial or unchangeable behavior. It is also natural to crap in our pants and never brush our teeth. Yet we teach ourselves to do the unnatural until the unnatural becomes second nature. 
Indeed, all self-discipline must be defined as teaching ourselves to do the unnatural. Now, why would a person be susceptible to homosexual temptation? I don't have all the answers, but I'm telling you the vast majority of them have something in common with one another. That does not, and this thing they have in common does not guarantee a person would become homosexual, but yet they have this in common. And it has to do with the failure to bond emotionally with their parents. And so in our own homes, what do we do? Do we bash people like that? They're hurting. And somehow their need has been sexualized and they're trying to meet a need that cannot be met sexually. So it creates an addiction, a bondage. Because if just, just one more lover, just one more chance, then I'll be complete. Then I'll have my daddy wound or my mama wound filled. It's not going to work. Um, so as parents, I would encourage you to, to bond with your kids. Your daddy may never have told you that he loved you. And you somehow survived. Don't expect your children, especially in today's evangelistic culture of homosexuality, to turn out just like you. Sacrifice the way you were raised and love your child with affection and words like, I love you, son. I love you, daughter. I love you. Just learn, learn to love them. And love them at the affectionate level they want. They may be a hugger. You've got to learn how to hug. They may be a hand holder. You've got to learn how to hold hands. There's nothing wrong with that if your heart is pure. Amen? My own son, this very masculine guy, was a period of time when he was a little boy that kind of freaked me out. <laughs> but I went with it, and he grew out of it. But he wanted to kiss me, his daddy on the lips. When it was time to kiss goodnight. When it was time to say goodnight. He wanted to, I never kissed my dad on the cheek. <laughs> but I went with it because I know little boys need to know their daddy loves them at whatever level they relate. You know, all kids aren't like that. Zane's very affectionate and just, just the way it was. And so we must. I'm telling you, it is not enough to instill fear in your children of bad men that want to do things to them. You've got to fill the needs in their own heart. Isn't Jesus enough? Yes. And Jesus has given us an assignment to disciple our kids and give them the love they need. Somebody needs to pick up the phone and call their grown child today and start. Just have that monthly call, two-week call, bi-weekly call, weekly call, every other day call. Just communicating love and concern and encouragement. I'm telling you, it'll, you'll save a generation. You know, anyway. Amen. Amen. Yes, amen. And I'll just, I'll just tell you what else I believe. I, I'm not afraid of homosexuals at all. And if you have one in your family, love them. Love them, love them, love them, love them. You know, you're not justifying sin, but you're affirming their identity as someone created in the image of God who has fallen. So you start at the level of where we all started. God created us and he loved us. Amen. I want to end with some questions. Is homosexuality an unforgivable sin? Is anything too hard for the Lord? 
Is a homosexual an unredeemable person? I prefer to use the word homosexuality because it describes a lifestyle, whereas homosexual is kind of a label on a person. And they may embrace that and receive that as though they're, they're uh, marked for the rest of their life. Are we forgetting what the Lord saved us from? Sometimes we do. We get all sanctified and holy. Are we showing the love of God to sinners of all kinds? We should. Are we living what we believe about the power of the gospel? How much do we believe this book? Should we be a safe place for helping those trapped in bondage? Should all who come to faith in Jesus Christ be given room to grow? How many have stumbled a time or two in your own walk and are grateful that somebody gave you room to grow, didn't give you the boot? Should you show God's love to one who is trapped in homosexuality? Should we? Will you? I didn't have room on the slide. How about today? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are everything and that no one is unsavable or unredeemable to you, Lord. The only unforgivable sin is to blaspheme your Holy Spirit. And Lord, we thank you for your mercy that you've shown to us. Help us, Lord, to show it to others who need to know you, that you're their everything. Lord, I thank you that we're in a room filled with people who've learned that you're everything and you've delivered us from some things we would never... Uh, or at least at this point we've never shared in our testimony and yet we know that you saved Lord help us to walk in that God we pray for our culture we pray for America Lord uh, we need your wisdom in raising our own children discipling the children in this church reaching out to hurting people Lord one person at a time God give us strategies on how to reach my everything be 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 my like to end the service with a season of prayer for the sick. If you are sick in your body or you know someone that's sick, you want to go minister to that person today, we'd love to pray in prayers and greet before you go. So the prayer team could line up across the front as we continue worshiping.